I don't know, I can't really say I really discovered much about myself. Uh, I think really the, the biggest thing is that everything could have been prevented. Hello everybody and welcome to True Crime Banter, the podcast aimed to bring in you your dose of murder relaxation. So just sit back and enjoy. episode of the true crime banter podcast how's everybody doing tonight awesome lovely that's great to hear especially that you over there that was yeah you in the back i'm shocked yeah hey pleasantly surprised great too i love (laughs) what you've done with your hair no no he's pretty far back there (laughs) (laughs) anyways hi everyone uh we don't have any banter for you guys today i don't have any fun games we're just gonna go ahead and Hop right into it. Uh, this is going to be the case of Wesley Allen Dodd. Today, as I just said, we'll be covering the story of Wesley Allen Dodd. And I want to start off by saying that this case does cover acts of sex and violence towards minors. So if that's something you prefer not to hear, feel free to skip out for today. And I say that because this is one of those cases that truly makes you wonder how society has somehow survived this long. Wesley Allen Dodd is a man whose heinous crimes results resulted in drastic changes in Washington State's law enforcement and legal procedures. But first... Let's go back to the beginning. Wesley Dodd was born July 3rd, 1961, in Toppenish, Washington, less than a three-hour drive from where we're sitting right now. From an early age, his life was marred by tragedy and abuse. His father was an alcoholic who frequently subjected the entire family to physical violence, and although Dodd never outwardly admitted that he was abused growing up, He did say that he doesn't remember a single time hearing his dad use the words, I love you. And the same goes for him ever using those words as well. Wesley's father, Jim, describes his parenting as the following. I treated small problems at home with anger instead of reason. I felt like I had no control of my life and was being overwhelmed by everyday problems. This toxic environment that Dodd grew up in seemingly hit a climax. 1976. On July 3rd of that year, Wesley's mom Carol demanded that Jim leave due to an argument they were having. Wesley's dad responded to that demand by attempting to kill himself. This was Wesley's 15th birthday. A year later, the two were divorced. And this leads us right into Wesley's teenage years. The years that Wesley himself claims he committed his first set of crimes 
ones that quickly escalated into the criminal he ended up being. As a young boy, Dodd's deviant side showed itself through torturing and killing small animals, something many people nowadays consider a clear warning sign of a violent future. And at 13 years old, Wesley began to expose himself to strangers, usually children younger than him. He said he got bored of that and started tricking kids into touching himself. He then got bored of that and started molesting them. And by the time he reached high school, Dodd claims that he was molesting children regularly, starting with his younger cousins, then to kids in the neighborhood, as well as ones he would even volunteer to babysit. The craziest thing is that here's how one of Wesley's teachers describes him from high school, even after knowing what Wesley had done. The one thing about Wesley is that he always told the truth. He was just very quiet, but he was extremely reliable, very responsible, and I knew I could rely on him. If I asked him to get something done, it was guaranteed guaranteed to get done, and done right, and done well. While in high school, Wesley was actually caught exposing himself to a group of school kids and was charged with communicating with the minor for immoral purposes, but those charges were dropped. Shortly after, though, he was caught molesting his father's girlfriend's daughter. His father insisted that Wesley get some counseling, and so Wesley did, for a short four months. Not a year later, Wesley was confronted by police after again exposing himself to two young girls in Richland, Washington, And even though the police knew that he had been involved in over six other cases, no disciplinary action was taken. In 1977, when he was just 16 years old, Dodd was finally arrested for the first time for sexually assaulting a child in Washougal. But because he was a minor, and this was considered a first-time offense, he received a very lenient sentence and was released on probation. A few years later, Dodd joined the Navy and was stationed at a submarine base still in the state of Washington. However, this did nothing to prevent Dodd from continuing his disgusting acts. In May of 1982, Dodd offered four boys $50 each to join him at a motel for a game of strip poker. He was arrested and taken to jail for this, admitting to police what his intentions were, and yet the charges were dropped. The Navy got word of this incident when Dodd was caught making a similar offer to boys that lived on the base. They took Dodd off of his submarine duty, and nothing more was done about it. That is until later that summer when Dodd once again got caught, this time trying to get a nine-year-old boy to pull down his pants. Dodd was then dishonorably discharged from the Navy, and warrant for his arrest was filed in Richland, where this incident took place. In December of that same year, Dodd was finally caught and convicted for his first felony. This time, it was luring a boy into a shed and forcing him to watch as he put a pen refill into his own genitalia. This conviction, a felony nonetheless, netted Dodd a 40-day sentence, one which he served less than half of. So after serving less than 20 days for his first felony conviction, Wesley Dodd then relocated to Lewiston, Idaho, 
a town right across the border from Washington State. During his time there, Wesley was arrested and also confessed confessed to, by I should mention, molesting a little boy there multiple times and on both sides of the border. The state of Idaho took him to court first, and Dodd was sentenced to 10 years of prison for his actions. However, his sentence was commuted to just one year of county jail instead, to which Dodd only served four months of. In Dodd's own words, I served four months for a 10-year sentence. Everybody over there in Idaho is pointing the finger at each other. The Idaho judge who let Wesley free so early explains that he is haunted by the Wesley Dodd case. He can't understand how he let such a man go. After being let free, though, Wesley Dodd was immediately arrested again and taken into custody for the same crime, this time on the Washington side of the border. However, the county prosecutor decided not to pursue Dodd's case. And once again, Dodd was free to go. In the words of the county prosecutor, he says he admits he probably shouldn't have done that. He doesn't know why, but the case just got lost in the shuffle. This brings us to June of 1987. Dodd has moved once again, this time to Seattle, and he's being arrested again. This time it's for the first degree attempted kidnapping after trying to lure a young boy into an abandoned building. Upon being arrested, Dodd told the cops that his intentions at this point were to kidnap him, to rape him, and to kill him, so that the boy couldn't report him. Dodd sat in jail for 118 days, waiting for his day in court to face the consequences that he deserved. Dodd was found guilty for first-degree attempted kidnapping. However, that level of crime calls for less than a 118-day sentence, and thus the judge decided that Dodd had already served the time he owed. And once again, for seemingly the hundredth time, Dodd was a free man. Two years later, in August of 1989, Wesley Allen Dodd moved one last time, this time to Vancouver, Washington, just across the border from Portland, Oregon. Dodd says that his intent for the move was to kidnap, rape, and murder as many children as he could. On September 4, 1989, 10-year-old Cole Near and 11-year-old William Near went missing while out on a bike ride together. Wesley Dodd had lured the two boys to a secluded area near a park under the guise of letting them play with the ball that he had. The boys and their bikes were later found that night. Cole had been raped and both of them stabbed to death. In Wesley's own words, I raped Cole Near and then I killed him. Yes, I also murdered William Near to conceal my identity. Less than two months later, Dodd struck again on October 29th. This time kidnapping four-year-old Lee Iselli from a playground in Portland. Again, in Wesley's own words, I did kidnap Lee Iselli from Portland, took him to my apartment in Vancouver, and raped him. And on the morning of October 30th, I murdered 
Leaselli. Just two weeks later, Dodd was on the hunt again. This time, his target was a six-year-old boy in Camas, Washington. However, as Dodd explains, this little boy knew what to do. The little boy screamed in terror as Dodd attempted to scoop him up and carry him out of a movie theater. Dodd was apprehended by nearby civilians, then arrested and charged with first-degree attempted kidnapping, this time along with first-degree attempted murder. After this arrest, Wesley Allen Dodd admitted to the murders of the three boys prior, explaining that he had detailed notes and photos in a personal diary of his. Notes on not only what he had done to the already victims, but also notes as to what he was planning on doing to the next ones. Members of the jury during Dodd's trial explain that this diary records in chilling detail the events that took place in his apartment in both the afternoon and the evening after Dodd had kidnapped four-year-old Leaselli. Dodd had also kept souvenirs from his crimes, more evidence that shows just how truly sick Wesley was in the head. And Wesley was aware of that too. As in one of his last interviews, he explains, I do not want to die, but I have been completely honest in saying that I must die, because I know I will kill again. Wesley Allen Dodd was convicted for the murders of Cole Near, William Near, and Leah Selly. He was sentenced to death by his choice of lethal injection or by hanging. Wesley chose by hanging because that is how he had killed his final victim. On January 5, 1992, Wesley Allen Dodd was executed via hanging at 12.05 a.m. in Walla Walla, Washington, the first of its kind since 1965. So that is the case of Wesley Allen Dodd. Uh, briefly, I mean, he's done a lot, but I don't know. Um, what are your What are your thoughts? I mean, obviously, case? he's super fucked up, right? And yeah. I think when you showed me this case yesterday, two mm-hmm. days ago, whatever it was, um, I don't know. I still kind of feel the same way I do now, where I'm watching it, and listening to it, and things about it. I don't know. And it's sad, but like this isn't the first time this has happened, and it's super sad. This is just. I don't know, confirming that just like there's just terrible people out there. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad things were changed because out of a bad situation. Yeah. That's laws change and stuff, but it's just, I don't know. Interestingly enough. It sucks that that had to happen first. Right. So that's what's, uh, so I watched a full like documentary from like 1992 um, before he was executed uh, where he was being interviewed about his crimes, how he was brought up. Um, how he viewed life, kind of, and how, you know, he was never, he was do he would do one thing for satisfaction. He began with exposing himself to people, but he realized that that wasn't enough. And so it was just kind of it, you know, gradually escalated to 
oh, I'm going to have to start killing these kids because that's the only way I can get my satisfaction out of it. Um, A lot of... Because he says in this interview, he's got hundreds of victims that he molested. Yeah. Like, I, I couldn't imagine... You know, these are people in his neighborhood, people who know him. And the weirdest thing is that people knowing what he's done now, or I guess at this time, still viewed him as like someone they would trust. Like the the teacher that said, you know, he's a guy that I could rely on, said that the last time he saw Wesley was just before he had kids. But even now he would almost consider letting Wesley babysit. Oh, yeah, which that's makes, fucking weird. Yeah. That, that's odd. And it's almost kind of like a Ted Bundy-ish. Yeah, Like, oh, saying. he's, you know, a likable dude. Charming, but handsome, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But he's not, like... Right. And I guess what I'm bringing up with, like, the, the number of victims he had is, like, there's so many. And the one thing about him and his story is that it changed the way that at least the state of Washington um, approaches sexual predators. Yeah. Because clearly he ended up killing three kids. Right. Which is like, you could have, that could have been prevented. How many times were you, you know, brought in and then let go? And after he got caught, he was the one that basically said, listen, I, at my time of my arrest, when I was killing these, you know, three kids, I probably should have been in prison in like four different counties, but for some reason they were either letting me go or, you know, slip through the cracks yeah. as one of the prosecutors yeah. says. So there's a few killers that I think have been interviewed that, well, I know, I don't think that have that same mentality where they are very self-aware and they know that they don't have control. But also have, did you, if you're that morally conscious to know that this is going to keep happening, this is just who you are, blah, blah, blah. You never were morally conscious enough to seek help. Like that's another thing. Yeah. And and that is, um, when you you don't know know where you're unaware, you don't care about your actions. That's a little bit different to me. Yeah. When then you're not going to seek out help, right? You're going to make whatever. It's just who I am. I don't give a shit. Right. No. Yeah, exactly. And when I, um, you know, when I wrote this case, I wanted to f- kind of focus on the number of times that he could have been stopped. But there was in between these times he did. I mean, you kind of covered it. He went to counseling for four months after molesting his father's girlfriend's daughter. Yeah. But not on his own free will. No, right? no, no. Yeah. Um, the, f- the interesting thing is that a lot of people, uh, Dodd himself even says, I don't know if I subconsciously wanted to get caught. Yeah. Because, you know, I knew that it wasn't my fault that I kept getting away with it, that I probably should have been caught already. Uh, and so that's why, because a lot of people ask him, why did you just so nonchalantly try to steal a kid in, in a movie theater? Yeah. Like, and, and, no, I know. And I thought about that, too, because all the other times there was like a ruse or, hey, I'm mm-hmm. a ball. Come over here. And I was like, he just tried to walk out of a movie theater with a child. Yeah. And thank God that that kid knew to scream. Right. Yeah. 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 And and, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what he talks about. He's like, I don't know if I, I I wanted to be caught because I needed to be stopped. And like you said, you know, I don't want to die, but I think I Or he just got to. cocky because he was fucking True. getting yeah, away yeah. with it. And he was like, 
and that is fine. that is something that a lot of people think that when he first got arrested and said, "Well, listen, you know, it's it's the authorities' fault that I'm still out here doing this." <laughs> he was kind of passing the buck, right? But it did highlight the fact that there there was a lot of holes well, back it's then. Also true, though. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, and I showed you this um, on this documentary. Maybe I'll link it somewhere if I can. But um, again, from 1992, there's interviews with sexual predators in the correctional center at the time that are very unremorseful about what they've done to children yeah that are like scheduled to be released within a month of yeah those well they're interviews. mentally ill so yeah and yeah. they don't care and yet well, yeah. back then the laws were like well you served your time like yeah you're good to go yep so the weird part i don't even want to say weird because it's notorious for how many victims he has but it's almost more popular for or more known for how it changed the legal system yeah. when it comes to the approach to sexual predators. Yeah. So if there's any positive we can take from this, yeah. I guess it's that. Is yeah. that finally, at least the state of Washington recognized, we got a fucking problem here. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, they, they made some big changes to where people could then be convicted for possible crimes they might commit in the future Mm -hmm. which i think has been updated since then but they've said listen just because they're sexual predators doesn't mean they can't advance into these more murderous people oh yeah yeah uh, Hmm. uh, it's i i've honestly never heard of this case no either up on this yeah and i was like okay i definitely want to share this because seems pretty significant for right Someone who only had, quote unquote, three murder victims, but hundreds more. Right. You know, and who knows how many more if he never actually got caught. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I guess that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you yeah, for being I, a part of the story process and doing all that hard work. Oh, well, thank you, yeah. listeners, thank for you. all uh, joining us. I hope you enjoyed it. I, I like to know what your guys' thoughts are on the fact of, um, how many times someone can get caught for the exact same I mean, I'm act. not trying to, like, you know, take away from this story, but it happens to priests and shit all the time. Like, it's, oh, just, yeah, it's yeah. happening right now. Like, this isn't anything yes. we haven't heard of. People yeah. are getting moved around and covered up all the time. And just, yeah, like, that's something whatever. we discuss often, and it's just like, is are we ever going to address that, you I know? I don't fucking know. I, <sighs> that's too much yeah. for me right now, man. I agree. <laughs> I mean, that may be for us forever. But that hey. was a lot after that. After that fucking story, yeah. That's I don't a need whole to get into priests right now. Bag of, <laughs> bag <yeah>. of shit. <laughs> exactly, pieces of shits. Well, uh, that's it. That's all we got for today's episode. Um, oh, you know what? Actually, um, hmm. maybe if other people know of other cases like this where laws have been changed, I would like to know yeah. about that. Maybe we could cover more of those. Yeah, I will. I'll put that actually. Uh, as our question on Spotify, if, okay. do you have any, do you know of any other, yeah, yeah, I guess, criminals that caused a law to be changed, whether it's in your state or your right. city or yeah. the nation? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, until then, I guess that's it. I hope you guys enjoy it and yeah. we'll talk to you in the next one. Bye. Adios.